I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week as every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Bonjour. <laughs> Imogen, how are you this morning? I'm feeling a little bit dusty, I think, is the expression. <laughs> you went to a nightclub last I night. I did, I did. I went to see a rap artist. Oh, did you? What was his or her name? Oh, good question. Joey Badass. Joey Badass? Yes. With lots you of are, S's. You are down with the kids. Aren't Did I? the S's have, were the S's actually dollar signs? Uh, they might have been, actually, yes. <laughs> Fortunately, I wasn't actually in the dancing area. Good. I could just look down on all the dancing, <laughs> like an old person with opera glasses. You look, some young people are dancing. <laughs> Well, I suppose it is Christmas. Yes, I know. It was very exciting. Well, that's good. And the other big piece of news is... Oh, I'm getting a puppy. A puppy. Yes. Shall I bring it in? Yes, please bring it in. Yes, I'll bring it in next week. Please bring it in. Is it another Lassa Apso? No, it's a a Cavapoo. Okay. Cavapoo. I think it's about the size of my hand. They're so sweet, Cavapoos. They really are bundles of joy. I'm excited. I'm not sure what biscuit your current dog is going to make of it. I know. She might take a, she might well, disapprove. Like she might eat it. Like an elderly aunt. Well, she think... might eat it, yes. And I'm slightly worried about that. <laughs> she's, she's, I'm not sure I can lead two well, of them I mean, together. She's, she's not the kindest of no, dogs. She's no, she's not. <laughs> no. No. Like a cantankerous old cow. <laughs> But she is 70. Why have you decided to get another puppy? Well, because our dog's 10 years old. Okay. So So you want one... Yes, you just want a backup dog. Yes. Excellent. Yes. A backup dog. (laughs) A reserve dog. A reserve dog. Yes. Well, anyway. Well, I can't wait. Coming up on today's show, Hannah Betts will be joining us to explain why Christmas might not be complete without a festive candle. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking to Juliet Mountford from Crisis about how you can make a difference to the people around you. As we speak, the latest episodes, latest three episodes of the Netflix show, Harry and Meghan have just dropped. And our next guest has been taking notes here to give the verdict is royal expert Richard Fitzwilliams. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. I have to say I haven't managed to watch the whole thing yet, Mm. but so far my toes are curled. Well, I have to say that I think that this is very, very damaging. And I say it because it wasn't intended for consumption in the United Kingdom, where, quite frankly, as you know, in the recent poll showed this, that Harry and Meghan have got uh, almost no support, uh, which Mm. is such a change from previous years. Mm. And what it is intended for is the United States and the wider world. Mm. And from that point of view, to extend the power and strength of their brand, there are some pretty shocking revelations in it. We hear that Meghan suffered a miscarriage, uh, and this is directly linked to the media. We also have what I would say was a hatchet job on the monarchy, most particularly, and this is going to mean that uh, it's always, it's so sad, but Harry's relationship with William will not, I suspect, recover from what is claimed here and uh, that William was involved in briefing against him, or his office was, uh, that at the Sandringham summit, uh, William was shouting and screaming at him and various other comments to Mm. the effect that his father and his brother are, as the Sussexes see it, both either believe untruths or believe that the Sussexes are destructive. There's absolutely no doubt that this has all been very, very carefully thought through. Mm. 
Mm. And Megan uh, has a, a certain ability when it comes to acting, I have to say. It depends, mm. of course, if you're skeptical as I am, or indeed mm. whether you believe that truth. My, the danger of this is that people who have very little grasp of the intricacies, why should they, will mm. see this and will swallow the whole thing, or a lot of it. Yes, hook, line and sinker. Mm. I mean, I think the thing is about these two is that they are clearly, I mean, the narcissism of them is extraordinary. Mm. I mean, they clearly decided that they were such a beautiful, fantastic, wonderful, golden couple. And there's some very telling moments when Harry basically says, you know, we were better at being royals than any of the other royals. And my wife was better at being a royal wife than any of the other royal wives. And the family were jealous. I don't think that's true at all. I think that they were just incredibly sort of demanding in what they wanted to be. I mean, they wanted to be able to have it their, entirely their own way. Mm. And of course, the, you know, the royal family are sort of, they're quite good at having their sort of rotor of duties and just getting on with it. And they just wanted to always be special at every turn. And you see that a lot in the sort of, in the way he speaks and the the fact that, he complains about having a screaming row with his brother. I mean, my children have screaming rows all the time, much three yes. times a day, and yes. it's quite a normal thing. And the idea that well, so he... if your brother can't shout at you, exactly. then who can? <laughs> That's the whole point. Yeah. If you can't speak, you know, openly and passionately in front of your sibling. I mean, what, what you know, it's this idea that I think they were just always so in love with the idea of themselves mm. as a couple, and you see that in. in I don't understand. They seem to have filmed every aspect of I their know, lives. I know, that's what's weird. Yes, I mean, my oh, absolutely. My this is quite extraordinary. I mean, it, it really is. The cameras were there all the time. But one does have to ask, when did they originally decide to exactly. do this? And mm. when and how long have all these things been planned? The Oprah mm. interview, their reports, they may be thinking of other interviews and so forth. It could go on for quite a long time. But, I mean, it seems to me, if you watch the footage, it looks as though they literally decided practically from day one yeah. that they were going to film. But even the baby shower has been exactly. filmed and everything, And hasn't sort it? of her dancing in the doorway. I mean, my children are 19 and 18 and they don't film themselves so, that no, much. No, it it's very it's, odd. It's sort of... They may start doing so after seeing this, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, because you never know. But it's so solipsistic, isn't it? And it, I think that's another thing that the British public will find very difficult because mm. Brits don't tend to be as self-obsessed mm. as the Americans and the self-obsession in this is just extraordinary mm. well narcissism isn't it it's narcissism of a sort but then mm. the, there's no doubt and this is I mean the use for example of Diana and the way Megan has done a little for charity but not that much frankly mm. is being positioned so obviously as being the next Diana in Harry's mm. mind she's already it seems uh, halfway there and I mean uh, it, that is really quite extraordinary but it does come up time and time again and we see the clips from the notorious panorama interview again I mean mm. he sees her of course as her victim and sees them as victims and it's from that mindset that uh, you have, for example, and I, I, I suspect you will find this rather hard viewing, a tremendous number of comments by Meghan talking about her feelings and how uh, hurt they were and how wonderfully they did and how uh, she gave all to being a, a diligent royal, but 
seeing the royals in cahoots with the press. This is the this is the line that's taken throughout uh, that in, essentially they were thrown to the wolves or and so forth. The issue of security is, of course, a very sensitive one, and we know that Harry has been so haunted by what happened to his mother, and in that area you wish that there could have been some compromise, but they did know when they stepped down as uh, senior working royals that the taxpayer wouldn't fund security, and as you know, he wants now to pay for security. Mm. But if that was the case, and if he wins the case against the Home Office on that, of course, it sets a precedent. Mm. I mean, Harry's obsession with the press. Before Meghan married Harry, she was perfectly happy for the press to dance to her mm. tune. You know, she was always trying to get in the press. And, mm. and then, of course, she married Harry, and then and then she suddenly hated the press because they were, you know, she wanted her privacy and not so much her privacy I just think she wanted to control the narrative yes that very famous story about her being on the front cover of Vanity Fair Mm. and she was furious that they hadn't talked about her philanthropy Mm. probably because there wasn't very much of it yes exactly and the thing is very much why and how then could she step into Diana's shoes yes exactly and the thing is that I think that this has been Harry's problem with the press is that he's always wanted to control the narrative and Mm. he's always wanted the press to write what he wants them to write Mm. And the British press actually don't really write what anybody wants them to write. Mm. You know, that's the whole point of us, is that we're not really in anybody's pockets. And, you know, this idea that they were somehow treated worse than the rest of the royal family, that's just not true. I mean, look mm. at Andrew. Look at, you know, Kate, Kate when she was yeah. younger. Look at Weighty I mean, Katie. I mean, they've all been put through the mill in one way or the other and when they do mess up they are pulled up they are you know they are held to account mm. and i think what happened with those two was that we all saw what was going on and at the beginning it was sort of it was all rather fine but then after about six months these stories of her behavior mm. just started to trickle out and they weren't coming i mean people were very reluctant to talk about it mm. but he just didn't like that he didn't like the fact that he couldn't control the narrative and it's his bitterness that... I mean, I did used to feel a bit sorry for him. I, I now just think he's a bit of a, you know... I can't really use the word. Yeah, we are, no, yes. We're filling in the blank. We are filling in the blank. <laughs> I'm afraid they've gone rogue, though. This is the thing, because with mm. Spare coming out the 10th of January, mm. uh, and possibly future interviews after that uh, have been rumoured, I mean, uh, <laughs> this is it's so destructive because it was Oprah which changed the... Uh, in the polling, uh, young people started getting disillusioned with the monarchy. It does have an effect, and mm. also the problem is that they know it does, and you mentioned control. I think they're obsessed with it, uh, absolutely obsessed mm. with control, the fact that they couldn't control things mm. as they would wish when they were senior working royals. I, I think that's affected a lot, but there's no doubt that it's an absolute tragedy this occurred, because uh, they were, or could have been, uh, a tremendous force for good, especially in the Commonwealth. Mm. Now, absolutely. of course, the Commonwealth has been uh, trashed with the series the queen's legacy there's this sense that that if you disagree with anything that megan does Mm. you're racist yeah and that's just ridiculous that's like me and imogen saying that if you disagree with something that we say or do you're sexist Mm. because we're women Mm. i mean they have jumped on this racist bandwagon so brilliantly Mm. they've cast the royal family as a sort of antediluvian racist institution and you know, of course, there are elements of it that are very elderly and may not get things completely right all of the time. Mm. But you said earlier that it was very well planned. And I think that's true. I think they've really had some clever advice on this because they're manipulating everything. the sort of general 
that's what's so frustrating about it and that's what I think must be so frustrating about it for the royals for Charles and for William mm. which is that they are they are gaslighting them and manipulating them in a, in a really sinister and horrible mm. uh, but very effective way yeah. Richard what, what do you think is their end game I don't understand what the the purpose of all of this is for I would, ah, now that is a very interesting question because nobody knows exactly what their end game is it's a sort of celebrities come philanthropists at the moment mm. and it could of course conceivably which means that some of her antics may be picked over in detail mean that one day she goes into politics but uh, that is as far as I can see all their work is dependent on being former or well, being members of the royal family I, I almost I mean the thing is of course they may it's possible uh, it could lead to non-invitations to the coronation and also uh, perhaps there's a private member's bill going through parliament that might mean uh, some effect on the uh, the titles as Duke and Duchess but mm. all of this I mean th- th- that is a sense of a form of a nuclear option because I don't think the royal family uh, would particularly relish a parliamentary debates on this on the other mm. hand you'd never know mm. the end game remains a question mark but this could stretch out for for years mm. especially given the fact that Netflix of course produced that wonderful truthful uh, series <laughs> uh, The Crown <laughs> I mean they could do more. Uh, there's no, there's basically no limit. But since everything was being filmed, and uh, it, to see the footage can be quite extraordinary. And in the uh, first episode, for example, about their romance, to see the uh, videos and see the texts and all the rest of it, I mean, that will have a very wide appeal, I'd have thought, among the fans. Hmm. What do you think the royal family should do? And if you were advising Charles... This is the trouble. They can't do a point-by-point rebuttal. I mean, if they did started that along that route, I mean, it would become a vast media circus. Mm. There is the, the issue of the titles. I don't think that Archie and Lily will get titles because Charles wants the so-called slim-down monarchy, and there's mm. no doubt that that again means that the children of uh, the Sussexes would get what is their due by right from the George the Fifth's protocol in 1917. But having said that, after this, you you want to distance yourself as much as possible from a couple who, frankly, uh, would be only too pleased, as far as I can see, if the monarchy didn't exist. Uh, it's very, very difficult. They might put out a statement. They might wait until the book is published and put out a statement. Mm. But all of this was, it will receive so much publicity from around the world and. That's the trouble. It affects the monarchy's popularity because even if you believe only a small amount of this, um, it is—it's pretty toxic stuff. The fact that the, according to the Sussexes, the media and the royals were in cahoots where necessary, and this was so destructive when it came to their mental health and uh, the way they could function or felt unable to function. And you see, of course, it's interspersed with shots where they found peace and found love and so forth. All of it is uh, just quite a... I mean, it is directed with... Yes. Well, it's Oscar nominees directing it, and it, it, it is tar- it tuned for a certain audience yes. who won't be particularly questioning. I don't know whether... I mean, their popularity in America isn't really holding, is it? The polls don't seem very good. 
They say, according to reports, it's gotten somewhat less. Mm. Uh, no one's quite sure where mm. they stand when it comes to, uh, you know, the Obamas, for example, or, I mean, the Clooney's, Serena Williams, yes, they uh, may not have been friends in the mm. way we would describe friends at the time of the wedding, but it does seem that they there is a, a certain amount of support there in mm. Hollywood. And if they want to be part of Hollywood, well, fair enough, but why launch these bitter vicious attacks on the royal family, which is your, you know, not only, I mean, so far as their family is concerned, Megan only has her mother who makes uh, some, who's a pretty good television performer, I would mm. say, uh, making pun rather impressive appearances. There's little doubt that uh, as they see it, they may very well have uh, suffered a good deal, and it certainly seems to have been extremely stressful. Uh, the miscarriage, for example, and the suicidal feelings and so forth, uh, it's, uh, you know, some of this is quite tough stuff, and there's no doubt that an audience that believes everything that the Sussexes say mm. will find it um, very moving. Yes, but I think the thing is, is there's a difference between, I mean, we, everybody has dark moments in their lives, everybody mm. has a lot of people just don't talk about them, whereas yeah. these two just make or it... Or film them. Or film them, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. just, they're sort of monetizing their own misery mm. well, in what, a way that is really, really distasteful, mm. I think. But what is very odd is sort of how incredibly untrustworthy I feel they are mm. in that nothing is private. So there's that moment where she goes, oh, look, H has just got a text from his brother. Well, I mean, that's between those two yeah. people. The idea that they're revealing texts and information and emails and back chat and the idea that they're filming the whole time, I think is makes people very uncomfortable. I think the idea that there's no privacy, mm. everything's up for grabs, is quite shocking. Oh, but the thing is, you couldn't discuss anything with them with the uh, after this uh, mm. and with the book. Uh, I mean, you'd find it in print or maybe filmed. Well, exactly, yes, yes, that's what I think. So if, if they were my friends, I would probably give them quite a wide berth at the moment because the idea they might be recording something you're saying, it's quite disconcerting. It's very disconcerting, but then on the other hand, of course, you have a case put here that they were victims from the time when Meghan started as Diana did and of course very famously the Antipodean trip with Charles she you know, she was becoming a superstar and realized it and he didn't like it because the attention was mainly on her well of course the parallel is drawn and then from there you develop your argument as to how things went wrong in a remarkably short space of time of course mm. how long was she 18 months 18 months is that it yeah right Quite extraordinary. Yes, quite extraordinary. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm sure this will not end, uh, Richard, and we will I might, might have to get you back on again. Yes. <laughs> uh, when the uh, Treadful book drops, which I'm sure will be... Oh, God, that's mm. a nightmare. another nightmare we've all got to end 10th of January. That's something to look forward to, well, isn't then, it? Yes. I mean, I also worry slightly about the effect that this is all having on the health of the king, who's not exactly a spring chicken. No. I can't imagine that it would have been much fun for the queen... And, you know, having this awful family drama playing mm. out in public. A tribute is suddenly paid to the Duke of Edinburgh when he dies. It makes quite a change from the general tone of it. Mm, yes. Well, thank you very much, Richard. That was royal expert Richard Fitzwilliams.
You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit maleplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at maleplus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Crisis, the national homelessness charity, are running their annual Crisis at Christmas appeal, and they are asking for people to stand with those facing homelessness. Here to explain what's involved is Juliet Monfort, who is the Director of Services at Crisis. Hi, Juliet. Nice to join Hello us. There. Oh, thank um, you. I think the whole issue of homelessness feels very present at the moment, mm. just because it's so cold, mm. and you just think people are sitting outside in minus three. It was minus four this morning when I left my house. I mm. mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the severe weather really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and our concerns also about the cost of living crisis. And what we're seeing in particularly the private rented sector means that, you know, never more <laughs> is our work needed. Mm. And, and not just the work of crisis, but all, all of mm. those supporting people in need. But, yeah, the, the, the cold weather really does put all of that into perspective. And, and we know so many more people are sleeping on the streets, mm. but also on the kind of the more hidden forms of homelessness, those sleeping in cars, mm. in sheds in garages, sofa surfing and it's that perhaps the unseen element of homelessness that we're really concerned about. What kind of numbers are we talking Juliet? I mean in terms of you know the whole of Britain I mean how many people would you say were effectively homeless at the moment? So um, uh, Crisis is able to carry out a homelessness monitor and we've been mm. doing it for a number of years. So we've built up a picture and we can tell the trend. Um, we saw most recently across the whole of Britain 227,000 people wow. uh, experiencing the worst forms of homelessness uh, such as I've just described. Not just rough sleeping but really being living uh, in inappropriate accommodation in hostels or, or unsuitable accommodation like having children living in bed and breakfast mm. accommodation so mm. you know it really is a national crisis and we're delighted to be able to offer not only the brilliant services we do at Christmas but all year round services because unfortunately this isn't just an issue at Christmas no. we really and of course the, the, the rental sector is actually vicious at the moment isn't it because I've just had to rent a property for my daughter, mm. um, who's a student, mm. and her friends, and I've had to sort of do all the sort of paperwork, paperwork and, yeah. and stuff. They make you jump through a million hoops. I mean, if you don't have a proper job and 27,000 pieces of paper mm. saying that you're not about to be fired. And a bank account and, and bank all those account, things. And yeah. your inside leg measurement yeah. and the last time you went to the loo, <laughs> that, you know, they won't do it. And it's all done via computer. So I think if you're somebody who's perhaps... And quite a lot of people struggle with that sort of thing. And mm. if, you're, if you're not, you know, absolutely on top of everything, I think it must be quite difficult. Plus, well, of course, rents have gone up. Yeah, but also, I mean, you have to have a computer yes. to start off with yes. and access to absolutely. Wi-Fi and all of that stuff. I mean, it's uh, I mean, is that sort of help that you guys give or do you do much more immediate stuff? I mean, no, very much so. That's uh, you have hit the nail on the head of our all year round services mm. where we really take the lead from the person with experience of homelessness and understand what they want and need. Mm. Uh, we'll work to really help them access any housing that we can, but mm. it's become, with all that paperwork, as you've mentioned there, but it becomes so challenging as we're seeing, you know, very few properties available at mm. an affordable rent. As you've said, 
wanting kind of four weeks in advance, mm. uh, rent deposits, guarantors, etc. But mm. Crisis works really well with other support available, whether that's from local authorities or other charities, mm. to kind of access the best of that, pull it together for the individual. And then we're also able, thanks to our brilliant support from the public through donations, mm. to provide some of the basics when you do move into what often is very bare accommodation yeah. so that we don't have people falling out of the property immediately so that is the work that crisis do day in day out in our services up and down the country in terms of the sort of people who end up being homeless i mean is it very linked to mental health problems i mean do you work with other charities on that front Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, we can't do everything ourselves mm. and we do, or all our caseworkers have a brilliant network and understanding of what's available locally. Mm. Um, we do see um, mental health issues and many other issues that we need to signpost people to. But I would kind of come back to the homelessness that we see has a myriad of causes and unfortunately affects mm. so many different people. Uh, so there's not one type of person mm. or individual. It really is right across the board. And what sort of donations are you asking for for this period? £29.07. Yes. It is a suggested donation yes. level. So we're really, really grateful for every penny that individuals, that people can donate. And we can see, you know, particularly this time of year, how generous people are. Mm. Uh, but the £29.07 relates to the costs mm. of providing a Christmas service people uh, and so we're suggesting that as a because so many people like a tangible thing yeah. that they can support mm. so it is a suggestion and we have people who are often able to afford a few pounds and we're very grateful and we also have many people who are able to offer more than that and again we're mm. exceptionally grateful and if you wanted to offer your time because i do love driving a van i know sarah's very oh, keen and it ha, says have you got a special license uh, no for van? i just like to pretend I'm a white van man. <laughs> I go, yeah, move over, love. Sarah does actually volunteer and, and has done lots I, of food deliveries and things. I, I normally I, I do food deliveries and also I used to do this thing with the church, which I don't do anymore because they've stopped doing it. Whereas I used to drive all the old ladies in the borough to their Christmas lunch. Oh, you did, it yes. Was, it, was quite, it was a really lovely thing to do, actually. You'd go and pick up these ancient old biddies oh. and then you'd take them to lunch and they'd be all very lovely and polite and fragrant and then they'd come back completely Mullard. Really over sherried. <laughs> Having had about twenty-seven cherries. No. And then you sort of steer them back into that's their... hilarious. I'd they probably have a snooze in the front have seat. Have a little snooze. Yeah. So is it possible to volunteer your time? Because I hate Christmas and I love just doing all that on Christmas mm. Day. I'd much rather do that than cook boring turkey for yes. my ungrateful surly teenagers. <laughs> oh, we are so very grateful for people's time. And we're delighted about four thousand people have already pledged their time to support crisis at christmas Mm. oh it's fantastic Mm. and we couldn't run the service that we do at christmas without them so how do i do that then if i want to sign up or are you too late late? i do have a crb check i can show you that oh fantastic fantastic. that's very (laughs) impressive you're ready (laughs) we want you
If you go along to crisis.org.uk mm-hmm. on our website, you'll find the Crisis at Christmas page. And there it's a very straightforward route to volunteering. You mm. put in the area you live in mm-hmm. um, and we'll show you the volunteering opportunities. And no, no one's too late. We have many shifts. We call them kind of slots of time mm-hmm. still available. And particularly in January this year, we mm. are extending our support into January. Mm-hmm. Um, so please don't feel if you we know how time committed people are at this time of year but if you have any time to give over the Christmas and into the new year mm. there's still slots available and what sort of things would you be expected to do if you were volunteered Drive a van. Drive a van. Desperate for me to say driving. Yeah, the good news is we still have van driving, uh, no yes. driving opportunities available. Sarah, so there you go. Quick. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. But there's about a hundred different roles in okay. our crisis at Christmas. And some of those are professional. So we have an amazing support from opticians, mm. hairdressers, doctors, oh, podiatrists. Mm. Uh, yes, you really don't really super. want. You really don't want me cutting anyone's hair. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> But we're very grateful for those kind of professional roles. Yeah. We appreciate that people are either taking time off or taking holiday from work to come along and support homelessness. And then we have the general volunteering roles where you may be a driver, mm. you may be preparing food, you mm. may be sorting and supporting our warehouse so that mm-hmm. we get stuff out and get it to the centres. Or you may be, and um, the majority of our volunteers really do the uh, some of the most impactful work talking to people with experience of homelessness. Mm, mm. Just being in our day centres and in the hotels where we support people, having those kind of, you know, those kind and empathetic conversations, which, you know, genuinely can be life-changing mm-hmm. over a cup of tea. We really encourage that volunteer connection, but also some of the kind of the things which are exceptionally difficult to do if you're homeless or in insecure accommodation having a bit of fun yeah activities and um, i mean this really is important kind of connecting mm. with yeah really being, important. being healthy and just you know doing mm. stuff that's not just you know that you're not always just surviving the yeah. day that you might actually do something good Absolutely. and fun uh, and we find those very small things like having a haircut or yes. nails trimmed yeah. but they may be small you know individually but mm. but actually for many people it's the first time mm. that another individual has shown care mm. and support and empathy and mm. they can be life-changing yeah. on people's journey out of homelessness mm. Mm. and so that coupled with the really good advice, information and guidance that we provide, the housing support, the, as mm. you said earlier, the filling in the forms, mm. the assistance on the on the website applications, mm. that together with that kind of showing of human kindness just is life-changing. And last year from our hotels, we supported around 400 people in with hotel accommodation mm. and 75% of those people, we were able to find a long-term solution to mm. their housing. So, you know, it really is the power of volunteering. Mm. Isn't there a charity that also, um, maybe you work with them, that give books, novels and things to homeless people? Absolutely. Because there's we, the boredom as well, I think, is desperately depressing isn't it the idea of there's no stimulation or anything 
Absolutely, no, mm. um, and that kind of isolation as mm. well, and being seen as as feeling other, feeling yeah. outside mm. of society. Now, there's many charities, and we work with many to mm. try and you know to really integrate and make sure that our offers as good as it can be. Mm. But no, you're you're absolutely right. It's the importance of connection, and mm. particularly at Christmas, that we're very proud of. Thank you very much, Julia. I'm going to go on the line and see yes. if I can get a shift to some van driving. <laughs> it's not really volunteering, though, if you enjoy van driving as well, much as true, I do. Well, that's true, yes. <laughs> yes. I feel a little bit guilty. Yes. Thank you thank very you. much. And thank you for all the work that yeah. you do, because I do think that a quarter of a million people... It's a lot, isn't it? ...is a lot of people. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much. Really Thanks, Juliet. Thank and you. a happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Thank you. That was Juliet Manford. Director of Services at Crisis. So we're joined now by the fabulous Hannah Betts, who's going to tell us all about Christmas scents. I'm wearing a very nice perfume that I bought at Hannah Betts's sample sale, which you had the other day in aid of charity. Ooh, it's called yes. num- It's called Stories Number Two. God, it's lovely. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah, and um, but 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 before that, can I can I just fancy you a bit? On yes, the basis on. of today's mail. Oh, gosh. Oh, fine. Oh, I know. So embarrassing. Me. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, no, no one's... Oh, God, I hope the nation hasn't seen it. I'm sure the nation Hannah, has seen it. Hannah, explain Look my shame. beautiful. Oh. Well, Linies, she's appearing in a very beautiful, really pretty corset. Corset. So what happened was, was that Billie Eilish mm. wore a corset about a thousand years ago on the front pages of Vogue. Yeah. And the editor of Female said to me, wouldn't it be fun if you did the same? To which I said, obviously, no. Yes. Not fun at all. But she's very persuasive and she nagged and nagged and nagged eventually I gave in so Rigby and Pella made me a bespoke corset so I chose the fabric right so it's a sort of pink colour with sort of black it's classy it's It's quite nice but honestly the whole thing has been the most I mean honestly it's taken me 18 months to write this piece what yeah you know like when you because I hate my shape so much you know about Mm. you know me about Imogen knows this about me. I hate my shape so much. I just think I'm a homunculus, basically. (laughs) And and I did once talk to the therapist who said that she thought I might have a little bit of body dysmorphia, and I think that's probably fair to say. I I think think that is true. I think it's to do with the fact that my father spent the whole of my teenage years telling me that I was hideous and overweight, which he did. Yeah, love him. But he was furious that he didn't have a daughter who was sort of beautiful and slim and lovely like my Only mother. Only he oh, did. Anyway. Only he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so obviously it's one like those aversion therapies that you hear of, where people who are terrified yeah. of flying have to go up in yes. airplanes, yes. and people who hate spiders have to sit in a room with a load of spiders. Yes. Basically, that's it's been like that. It's taken me eighteen months. I'm not surprised. It's, and it's, it's uh, yeah. And also because I was really worried that people would think that, I, but having now got divorced, I mean the divorce happened in the middle of the crisis of the corset but uh, so it wasn't directly <laughs> much related lesser, obviously, uh, much but I was worried that people would think oh now she's divorced she's basically posing naked for the paper in order to oh. get another boyfriend so that was a whole other uh, well, maybe psychosis. you will have another boyfriend because of this no I doubt it well. anyway thank you Hannah um, let's talk about you'll fragrance. get a lot of girlfriends because you look absolutely beautiful. Oh. And I mean, Emmy's known you for a very long time. I've known you for 25 years and I've always well, known true. you were a knockout. Mm. So, I mean, I anyway, I loved it. And it's so beautiful. And I hope it does make you feel happier in your bod. 
yes. Well, I, it sits in my drawer. I haven't really, I haven't worn you it since the shoot. You could use it as your Tinder well, profile. I might go out to a Christmas party. I've got, a, I've got, a, I could, I've got a Christmas party on Saturday to go to. Oh, I might wear, wear it. To that. Yes, with a little yes. jacket. Oh, the slight problem it. is, the slight problem is, is that it does dig into my armpit well, fat. Well, just wear a little jacket. That's all you oh, need. No, no, I will wear a jacket, but it's yeah. quite uncomfortable because there's, right. I've got quite a lot of armpit fat. Right. And we'll just pop it back in. Yeah, hold on. it back in. Fine. Push it round and make it into breath. No, there's yeah. quite enough breast. No, no one needs any more breast. Yeah. Anyway, can we talk about perfume, yes, please? Yes, no, I'm you. sorry. Scented candles. I just wanted candles. to talk about your breast. Is yeah. that too much to ask? <laughs> scented candles, aren't we all? I'm definitely going to use it as my yes. new byline photograph. You definitely should. And your Tinder profile, I've just said. And your Tinder yes. profile. Definitely. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Anyway, yes, fragrance. Diptyque. Is that the one we should be buying? Oh, do you know, it's the life of my life. Every year... They are expensive, but you get 60 hours, which is about a pound an hour. Oh. And I, I don't want any pound shop tat for Christmas. No. I want a pound of, an hour of diptyque. I think that's uh, okay. all right, isn't it? I think there's something called the diptyque effect, which, is, which is a bit like the lipstick effect, which is that when you can't really afford lots of expensive True. Big, really expensive things. True. One small, beautiful, lovely thing that gives you an enormous amount of pleasure. Mm. Because I think diptyque candles are a bit like a really nice diary at Christmas. Imogen always gets a Smythson diary for Christmas. And the thing about a Smythson diary is you think that's a ridiculous amount of money spent on a diary. And it is a ridiculous amount of money spent on a diary. But you use it every single day of the year. So it costs per day. And it brings you pleasure. And it does bring you joy. And it does contain your very life, doesn't Mm. it? I mean... Yeah. And why not feel better about your very life? Yes. And so, I, I mean, I would rather candle. have nothing at all apart from one beautiful thing. Yes. Exactly. So, that's in exactly lockdown, what in I lockdown, want. In lockdown, did you buy lots of candles? Because that's what we did. Yeah, I didn't buy lots. Imogen's husband, I'm going to out him now, but Imogen's husband, who is quite metrosexual, it's fair to say, has a candle cupboard in his house. He has a candle cupboard. That's right. Elton. Elton has a candle <laughs> room. <laughs> yes. Yes, my husband does have a candle cupboard. He does because I went around there once. It doesn't seem like the obvious thing he would have. (laughs) No, but I went. He's very keen on his scented candles. I went around there once, and Imogen and I got a bit drunk. And I said, "My God, your house smells wonderful." She said, "It's my husband." And then she gave me a candle from the candle cupboard. (gasps) Did I really? I must have been very drunk because I wasn't. I'm never allowed in that cupboard. Did you get into trouble? Oh, yeah, was there a bit of... I'm, not, I'm not allowed in that cupboard. It's nearly pre- as almost ma- locked. Nearly as bad as the time that we accidentally drank wine that wasn't wife wine. Oh, wife Do you remember wine, that? Yes, there, there's a special stack in my house which is, got, which is wife wine. Yes, which, <laughs> and we, which yes. is not and, expensive, um, obviously. Does he do Trudon as well? Because they're rather nice. Zero Trudon. Oh, oh my God, they mm. are—they're the king of candles, actually. To be honest yeah. with you, yes, they're the they French are. sort of Marie Antoinette ones. Aren't they? Yes. I mean, it's basically why France's Republic is Trudon. <laughs> um, I mean, and, they know, are so expensive, but they're gorgeous. <laughs> yes, they're and beautiful. That, going back to what Vine said, the one beautiful thing: if someone gave me a Sicily lip balm for Christmas and nothing. Else, I would be their friend forever. Yes, I don't want mess. We've all got too much stuff in yeah. midlife, mm. haven't we? I don't want decorations. They're a mess. Yes, everything is a mess. Our houses are too stuffed. Give me one dip peak candle, and also, I'm afraid every year they do a little lantern. And it's also 60 quid. And it sits on top of the candle. And this year's spins round and round. <gasps> the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh my and even God, my I boyfriend. I don't know that. I don't know well, that. What? What is it? Like, it's gorgeous. Like... <laughs> 
And it casts shadows all around the room. Yeah, so it's like there's little old-fashioned oh, ones. And, this yeah. and, the, and, and also there's some physics because the, yeah, the heat keeps makes it them, going yeah. round. Oh. Yeah. And even my boyfriend, we've both got sort of flu at the moment, and he came in yesterday and he looked at it and he said, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, I know, but Hannah, your boyfriend is quite metrosexual. He, 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 he needs a competition. He yeah. does I mean, he's basically gay. He's not metrosexual. He's homosexual. <laughs> He's also quite into wild camping and things. And oh. he has completely turned to candles, having thought they were burning money, which, yes. you know, is the anti-candle line. Yes. He now, I mean, he's not quite Imo's husband, but he's getting there. <laughs> yes. He too will have a drawer or a cupboard or whatever yes. pretty soon. Yes. So I think we can turn the nation on. And also, you know, there's this thing that they're a naff gift. No, they're not. No, they're they not. are if they're A diptyque crap. candle is never enough. I agree with you. It isn't. Yes. No, it's yes. your it's, best friend. You never don't want it. The other thing I've been, I also think is a best friend gift is aromatherapy associates. Oh, yes. I mean, there are toiletries and then there are aromatherapy associates. And those oils, Mm. I must put it on my page on Monday, but there's a huge basket of them this year that's the kind of ultimate girl-on-girl gift. Mm. And I think it's worth 540 quid. It was on sale for about 350, and now it's 260 quid. And that is a lot of money. Mm. But if you shared it, I mean, there's so much in it. And if you shared it, you know, we could share it, the three of us. Mm. I, I love the evening going out oil although obviously i never go out um i you know you might like pine vine you might want rose you Mm. could split it between a group of friends and i mean it would just see you through i always love an olivarum oil yeah oh you do don't you yes and that is pine and eucalyptus yes and and that is also eye-wateringly expensive it is but one thing let's get one Mm, thing and save the planet and save our sanity exactly Um, one thing so one thing your one thing would be a candle then i think so yeah candle stroke bath oil i mean get me two <laughs> you know, I'll go for two things. But um yeah, I think mine would be a candle because it's just perfect quiet happiness, isn't it, really? Oh, you have to get a fox ring as well. Did you see the fox ring on Monday? No. What's it's, a fox it's ring? It's a beautiful gold fox head. They're 30 quid. I've been buying them for years. In fact, I can't believe I haven't given you one. And inside they've got lip balm. And they're oh. the best thing. And I spoke to the nice small company, the lady who makes them, the jeweler stroke lip balm lady. And she said lots of male readers have been buying them and we're so happy. What's the website called? She's called Andrea Garland. Okay. Um, and the website is andreagarland.co.uk. And you can either get now. a long deer hair or you can get a fox. And inside is the most lovely lip balm. So you can wear your corset, wear your fox ring, because you're a fox, (laughs) and then apply lip balm. I mean, it's just... insanely brilliant right yes okay all right brilliant (laughs) i I thought we weren't going to mention that again but anyway it's done now yes that's brilliant (laughs) excellent well thank you hannah oh yes that's that's sarah sorted very pretty little rabbit ring actually as well i quite like the rabbit yes no be a fox be a fox thank you hannah as ever as ever your advice is essential Happy Happy Christmas and thank you for your wise words. Well, thank you. Thank you.
If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. Thank you for listening.